Hello and welcome to episode number 12 of The Endpoint Zone with Brad Anderson. Brad, welcome back to the Channel 9 studios. Yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you as well. We are here and uh, it's always good to be back in the studio. Of course, over the course of the past week or so, it's been pretty interesting out in the industry and the market and seeing kind of different results coming out from all of the different vendors. We're going to take a little bit of a quick walk um, through those results before we start talking about some of the awesome new things that have actually landed in Configuration Manager Microsoft Intune over the course of the past month as well. Yeah. So let's get your thoughts on um, what's been going out there um, in the industry. Um, how are our results? Yeah, you know, I think Microsoft's uh, the quarterly earnings for our Q2 that we announced were, were just phenomenal. You know, and and I think there's some key takeaways that just about anybody who's looking at the numbers can can just you know really take away in terms of what's happening with organizations mm -hmm. and how they're thinking about the cloud on-premise, because there were some very specific trends that got called out, not only in our numbers, but in others. So let's just kind of walk through a couple of those. Yeah. So first of all, you know, Satya's been really clear in, in talking about the two kind of like just foundational goals that we're targeting as a company is first of all, this number of 20 billion in commercial cloud revenue by 2018. Mm -hmm. Okay, we announced we were at 9.4 million, or 9.4 billion run rate today. We're, wow. we're almost halfway there. <laughs> So the move to that cloud is accelerating. I mean, yeah. it's, and we're going to talk about that more. The other big number that, that we talk about is getting a billion devices all on Windows 10 by 2018. We talked about the fact that we're well over 200 million of those right now. And to just put that into context, everyone always wants to understand what's the adoption of Windows 10 like relative to, say, Windows 7. And so we actually were really clear. That's 140% faster wow. than the adoption of Windows 7. That's pretty amazing because most folks out there are probably running a bunch of Windows 7 machines and their general enterprise opinion of Windows 7 is pretty good. To have managed to get to Windows, so many Windows 10 machines so quickly mm -hmm. with such big growth is amazing. I mean, it literally is six months. We, we forget that. And yeah, and then we're able to, to watch the telemetry and observe what actually is happening from real customer data. You know, just this morning I was looking at the telemetry data coming in from its thousands and thousands of Config Manager customers. And um, over 80% now of all the Config Manager hierarchies that are reporting back telemetry to us have Windows 10 devices being deployed and managed through Config Manager. That's pretty phenomenal. That does mean that people are actively piloting. Yeah, actively. Uh, yeah. So I, I think we're ecstatic with what the, the embracing has been you know, of Windows 10 and of, of the, 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 our, our cloud assets. And so let's dive a little bit deeper into some of mm. those things. Let's talk a little bit more about that move to the cloud, because I think that's just one of the things that everyone always wants to talk about is, how fast is this move happening? Is it all verticals? Are there some industry where it's not moving as fast as others? You know, and I will tell you, we have large, well-known customers in every single vertical using our services. In fact, one of the statistics that we gave out in the earnings announcement is over 70% of the Fortune 500 are now using two or more Microsoft Cloud services. Wow, that's, that's pretty phenomenal. I mean, the fact is that we have so many cloud services that that's actually a, a great thing to see multiple customers. They obviously um, start to appreciate mm -hmm. that once they've done one thing with us, it makes a lot of sense to do something else. It's like seeing Office 365 and then realizing that actually it makes complete sense to be doing EMS for managing your um, protection. Well, that's like one of the best marriages possible yeah. because the two, you know, really should never be used without each other. But, you know, we talked about the fact that Azure grew 140% year over year. And to me, I think one of the most interesting data points on this that I think decision makers in any organization should have just kind of like locked in on is, was we gave a data point in there that talked of, of all of the enterprise agreements, all of our customers who have EAs with us that renewed during our, our second quarter, over 60% 
added cloud services to their enterprise agreement. Wow, so the majority of our customers are moving to the cloud. Yeah, and if you were to take a look at that trend, you know, last quarter versus the quarter before that, it's accelerating. Mm. And so this move to the cloud is accelerating, it's moving at an incredibly fast rate, and organizations are just embracing it because they're seeing the agility, they're seeing the flexibility, they're delivering their organizations a better experience so their employees and their, and their, and their users are just more productive, more efficient, more happy. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually obvious internally as well. It makes our life so much easier. So there were a couple of really core Office 365 numbers that get called out that I also mm -hmm. wanted to kind of touch base on because it also shows just how fast things are moving, not only in, in kind of the traditional environments of Microsoft, but, but, but on all devices. And so let's kind of talk through some of those. I actually made a couple of notes on myself here. Um, so we talked about now the Office 365 consumer subscribers increased over 20 million. Wow. Okay. okay. So everybody is using Office for personal is basically what that's telling us. You know, 900 million downloads to date now of Skype on iOS and on Android, mm -hmm. almost a billion downloads. 340 million downloads of the Office mobile apps on iOS and on Android. And we are now, we now have over 30 million monthly active users, regular users of Outlook on iOS and on Android. Wow. And so the Microsoft Office applications really are those applications that people want to have on all of their devices. It's that iconic, rich experience that makes users productive and enables them to achieve more and to do more, which is you know, just a core part of what we are at Microsoft. Yeah, and it's that that we actually enable with Enterprise Mobility Suite in a way which nobody else does because we're the only people that have those applications that people actively want to use in those kind of numbers. You don't find anybody using other productivity suites in that kind of scale. You know, and it's been interesting. Over the past month, I had a chance to sit down with a couple of different customers who did game theory kind of simulation of what happens with the email apps over the next three to four years. Mm. And it was a fascinating thing to participate in. And, and what they arrived at was as they were you know, doing the game theory on this, most of the world is going to come down to using one of two email apps on their mobile devices to get corporate email. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the email app that ships in the box or yeah. on the device, and it's going to be Outlook. And mm -hmm. it was just fascinating to watch the conversation. And I, actually, I fundamentally agree with this as well. Yeah. You know, with Outlook, we're going to continue to add more and more of the enterprise capabilities into that. You'll see more and more of the integration going into Outlook on iOS and Android, just like we've done for years on Windows. But all that office beauty, all that experience, you know, can be integrated in there. And you'll have this environment where you can completely separate off all your corporate email from everything else on the device, keep it secure, keep it isolated, but also integrated with Word and Excel and PowerPoint and Skype for Business and OneNote, and it will deliver that iconic experience for users to be productive on. Yeah, and it's amazing how much of actual business process just runs inside of uh, Word, Excel, PowerPoint. That is, for so many people, the entire business. Mm -hmm. um, Two other data points yeah. that I thought were super interesting. You know, one of my favorite is, is, is around the enterprise mobility suite. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the points that we that we uh, we talked about was now over one third of the Fortune 500 have made the decision to now purchase and use the enterprise mobility products from Microsoft. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, and you know, and these are not decisions that you make and say, "Hey, I'm going to buy a hundred licenses." These are decisions that generally are made, and it's organization wide. And so you just see the enterprise mobility suite growing like crazy. You know, we added 3,000, more than 3,000 new paying customers. So now the total number of customers that are paying for and using the enterprise mobility services is north of 23,000 now. And it's the largest enterprise mobility customer base in the world. That's incredible, considering how quickly we've got there. It's, uh, it's amazing. If I was one of those incumbents in the market that's been around for a while, it's going to be kind of interesting. 
You know, I just, it's this holistic, complete solution. We're super, we're yeah. super um, just grateful and we're just super overwhelmed with, with just how fast and how, how strong the adoption has been. Yeah. And the last data point that I think is super interesting is just how well Surface did. Mm -hmm. You know, 47% growth, you know, over a billion dollars in revenue now. And it's remarkable as I go visit with customers, how many now walk into the room with a Surface or with yeah. a Surface book and they love it. I mean, it's, it's just so cool mm -hmm. to see organizations and individuals saying, I love this device. Yeah, it's, uh, I had a very similar experience uh, just last night. I went into a restaurant. Uh, there was a gentleman working away in the corner. Um, he was wearing a suit, so he obviously wasn't from Microsoft. <laughs> and uh, he, was, um, he was sat there working away on his Surface. It was, you know, you see it every day. It's an amazing part of the business. You know, so I think that these are just data points in the numbers that Microsoft put out in our Q2 revenue that are important, that, that, that paint a picture of where the market is heading. And things are moving towards these cloud services at really at a breakneck speed. And we are seeing the acceleration. We're seeing the acceleration in the usage of all of our servers, or all of our services. You know, as I come in every morning, I look at the number of new devices that have been added in the last 24 hours. You know, the number is, is, is it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's accelerating it's and it's getting faster and faster. And so, you know, organizations, if, if you're still a little hesitant at looking at these cloud services, I think you need to just be a little more bold and step into this and say, listen, the world is going this direction. Mm -hmm. What can we do? And it may be that you know, don't take everybody to that. I mean, we have some organizations that have many of their or most of their emails, for example, running Exchange Online, but they still have some running on-premises and then they run in a hybrid environment. Mm -hmm. You have that kind of flexibility. And a core part of our vision has always been enable the customer to make that choice. And I think we've done that. We're going to talk more detail about that about mm -hmm. Config Manager and Intune today. But the move towards the cloud is accelerating and organizations, if you're still dragging your feet, I think you need to kind of like step into this because you're going to get left behind. Yeah, it's interesting you say that they need to be more bold and step in there. I actually kind of think that they've, the time to be bold has already passed. It's now almost being bland. It's, it's, everybody's doing yeah, this. So it's, uh, it's, it's actually kind of out there. Yeah. Um, what about how the other folks that are out there um, fared? If you're thinking about who you partner with for the next few years, you should be thinking about what's actually happening in the market and are the people that you're partnering with for your technology still going to be doing this in a couple of years' time? Yeah, so you know, some of the things that we've talked about over the last couple of episodes about some of the, um, you know, some of the consolidation that's happening in the market continues. Mm -hmm. you know, and so we certainly watch and see what others in the market are, are announcing. And so just a couple of data points and maybe some new faces that have uh, mm, arrived, okay. some new faces and maybe some not so new faces yep. in the industry. You know, Mobile Iron had talked about they're going to be kind of in the 15% growth rate. Uh, you know, AirWatch and their numbers said they're going to be at about the 50% growth rate. So, you know, you know, several times faster growth rate than Mobile Iron. Mm -hmm. You know, at the Enterprise Mobility Suite, we were in several times faster than what AirWatch had announced. And so you continue to see what we've been talking about, which is the movement towards these integrated holistic suites mm -hmm. with the Enterprise Mobility Suite being the most comprehensive at the lowest price on the market right now. And then given the nature of all the integration we've done across all the Microsoft assets and partners, it just offers the most complete platform for enabling enterprise mobility, and all the numbers bear that out. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun to look at the look at what's happening with uh, with folks' stock prices and their earnings announcements over the past week, yeah. and just trying to pull those numbers out. It's kind of it's kind of fascinating. Mm -hmm. You know, Mobile Iron welcomed a new CEO on board, so mm -hmm. you know we welcome Barry into the uh, you know into the EMM market space and all the the, the fun that we're having here. Uh, and then, you know, Citrix has a new CEO. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, uh, an interesting move there. Somebody that I think we know. Yeah, yeah, we know <laughs> Kirill Tatarinov very, very well. Um, you know, Kirill was actually my hiring manager to Microsoft 13 years wow. ago. Uh, it was funny, I, it was almost 13 years ago to the day 
that I was interviewing uh -huh. here at Microsoft for the role to come over and take over what was then SMS. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, Kirill hired me on. I reported to Kirill for several years. I learned a ton from Kirill. You know, he's one of the most driven um, uh, individuals who, you know, his execution focus is, is pretty legendary inside of Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And I think what a wonderful individual. I don't know that we could, have, that we could have picked a better individual to be a partner and leading one of our most important partners in Citrix than Kirill. Imagine what he has learned over the last five plus years sitting on the senior leadership team for Steve Ballmer and for Satya. The view of the industry, the view of what Microsoft's strategy is. He brings that to Citrix. You know, I've already been in contact with, you know, in several phone calls with Kirill. And so, you know, I think about this unique partnership that Citrix and Microsoft have had for years. You know, this is only going to even strengthen it even more. So I'm looking yeah. forward to what we're going to be able to do together. Yeah, it looks like a, a very, very um, strong partnership to be part of taking forward. So it's like. fantastic. Congratulations to Kirill. So should we switch gears and think about um, some of the technology that was uh, released over uh, the course of the past month as well? Yeah. Um, inside of uh, Configuration Manager. Yeah, your team has been firing this stuff out there. Um, Configuration Manager has uh, seen um, 16.01, which is the new preview release, preview. Um, but also movement in the current branch releases as well. Yeah, yeah. So let's, I think it's worthwhile just spending a couple of minutes just talking about Config Manager uh, and what's happened over the last mm. three months because it's it's really uh, easy to uh, underestimate or under under realize just how mm. important this is. Yeah. So in, in December 8th, we actually put out the new version of Config Manager, and it was uh, Config Manager 1511, mm -hmm. okay? 2015, the 11th month. Um, that was an incredible release. And if organizations who really haven't taken the time to learn about what that release meant, we turned Config Manager into a service. Mm -hmm. Just like Windows has become a service, Config Manager is a service. You know, for several months prior to that, the team had been on a model where they were releasing monthly updates out to our, you know, our, our TAP customers, out to our early mm -hmm. adopters. And then you saw with 15.11, we now have the ability to be able to rapidly update Config Manager, you know, as fast as we think we, we, mm -hmm. we need to and as fast as customers can, can, can sustain the updates. But what that, the first thing that it did for us is, first of all, in terms of having parity, with what Config Manager can administer from the Administrative Console for the combined Intune Config Manager, we caught up for everything that was in Intune the service except for two minor things. You know, one was the volume purchase plan from Apple, and and the second one, I can't remember what it is, but it's they're they're all in the they're all in Config Manager today. Yeah. So we caught up and we had parity. Now with the new architecture that we have with 15, with fifteen eleven going forward, our ability to be able to dynamically update Config Manager dramatically improved. I don't see a day going forward. I don't see a time going forward where, where as we add new value into Intune, it's going to be more than 30, 60, 90 days before all that appears inside of Config Manager because mm -hmm. that's kind of the release cadence that we're going to be on. Yeah. So 15.11 went out. We gave 15.12 uh, out to a, you know, into a preview. We put 16.01 out last week, which had a bunch of new capability in it as well. Yeah, and uh, some of that capability is, uh, is pretty good stuff. And po folks have been asking for um, some of this for a little while. Things like the ability to be able to deploy um, MSI files mm -hmm. using MDM, yep. so you don't necessarily have to have the ConfigMan agent on a machine in order to be able to deploy apps to it. Um, obviously going to be good for those apps where maybe you want a lighter style of management um, against your on-prem MDM, but that's the kind of the point, it's against the on-prem. which is, that actually uh, is one of the biggest uh, differentiators of why customers are using Config Manager mm. rather than some of the other tools on the market. There's decades of investment in MSI management in there. Yeah. You know, dependencies, 
uh, supersedes all that work, and it's, it's, that's all been built, been built into Config Manager for years and years and years. And you know, the world is going to move towards this MDM management and towards these modern applications, but 99% of what the, in the, the industry and the enterprise has today are MSI and AppV. Mm -hmm. So you can now manage all of that, but still do that in that lightweight MDM way. It's a very unique capability to, to the Microsoft solution. Nobody else is doing that. Yeah, it actually is very much fantastic as a former application packager. I yeah, there you very, go. very much you like go. that. Yep. Um, we've also added in um, capabilities around um, Windows as well. Um, yeah. We've added some really cool stuff there. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the things that we've added in to both Config Manager and into Intune around Windows 10. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the most interesting things I think we did as, as Microsoft with Windows is we built capabilities into Windows 10 from a security perspective that just will become foundational to enterprise organizations. You know, and, and I'm not sure that everybody in the world yet really understands some of the capabilities that, have, that are in Windows 10 that really make it the most secure operating system for use in the enterprise. Let's, let's talk about a couple of those. Yeah, I'm going to take you through the, the idea of a, um, of a pass the hash attack because yeah. lots of folks that I talk to um, around IT, you're probably the same, they've heard of these attacks, but they don't really understand what the impact is and how they're working and what, they, what it is. And that how Windows 10 blocks it. Yeah, exactly. And, and we have some amazing technology inside of Windows 10 um, that is utterly groundbreaking that will help block these things. So um, let's kind of start off by thinking about um, what happens when an attack takes place. The first thing is that your average user um, has a nice, healthy computer. It's really well managed by the IT department. It's got some antivirus software on there, some anti-malware, and it's doing a really, really good job. But then the user receives an email, and the email says something along the lines of, hey, you've just won a million dollars. The user can't help but click on it. And then they go to the, uh, the million dollar website, and that malicious site um, has some code in there which is a zero, using a zero-day exploit, which hasn't actually been released to any of the folks that are building the anti-malware, hasn't been released to us to be able to patch the operating system. They just kept it and hung onto it. And then what they do is they use that to push the malware onto the machine. Now, at this point, nothing else really happens, potentially for a few months. Mm -hmm. And it'll just sit there in the background. The user will go about their daily business. And what yeah, they, and on average, an interesting data point here is, is on average, when a user account's been compromised like this, it takes an organization over 270 days to discover it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it just sits there. It's something that the user doesn't really notice. And it'll start to manifest itself in ways such as, maybe the computer will start blue screening every so often. Maybe there'll be a pop-up that says, oh, we've just had an error with this application. And maybe applications will start to crash a little bit more regularly and more frequently. And it'll kind of start to build up to a point where, eventually, the user ends up putting a uh, phone call into the help desk. The help desk then do what they're there to do, which is fix the machine. They remote out to that user's machine, at which point that's when things start to become truly compromised. Because the attacking actor was never actually trying to get that original user's details. They were after the admin's details. And once that happens, they start to do um, privilege escalation attacks. And this is where pass the hash actually starts to come in. They take the, the password hashes from the machine. They use a little tool, something like Mimikatz, in order to actually then start to traverse the network. And they work their way around. They see what other areas did that admin account have access to. Did that admin have access to some file servers? Did they have admin access to file servers? Did they have access to the CEO's workstation? What other information can they access and steal? And that's basically how um, a pass the hash attack comes about and, and kind of works through the process. So we had to do 
some fairly major re-architecture inside of Windows to, uh, to actually uh, resolve those kind of problems. And a lot of that comes down to putting things like Credential Guard and Device Guard into place, um, but also a technology called Microsoft Passport for work. And that's one of the capabilities that we've just lit up inside of Intune, the ability Perfect. to configure Microsoft Passport for work. So we'll switch over to our admin machine and take a look over there. Okay, so we've switched into the admin view here um, inside of our Microsoft Intune uh, tenant. And what you can see is that inside of the admin settings for Windows, we've actually lit up Passport for work. And we can do a few things here. Firstly, if we wanted to, we could disable Passport for work, but that wouldn't be the best thing to do. So we've actually, in this case, enabled it and we're requiring that the um, details are stored in hardware encryption inside of the TPM on the device. So, yeah, so what that means is, you know, passwords, the hash passwords are all stored in the hardware. It's impossible for these bad actors, like you, you just described, to get access to it now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it really is. And the only way to access that information is on this machine. And you can protect that with a pin. And that pin is going to be, in this case, we have it set to um, a minimum pin of six characters and a maximum pin, I'm not quite sure who would do this, of 127 characters. So it would give us a lot of, uh, lot of control there. And we can also require things that you'd expect, like do we need uppercase, do we need a mix of characters inside of that pin? Um, and that pin is only ever, remember, going to work on that one device. Mm -hmm. So accessing that one device to get access to those credentials, uh, sorry, to those authentication tokens, then requires you won't need to enter the password again, but also makes it very, very hard uh, to be able to use a pass the hash attack to try and lure the user into doing something wrong. Yeah, and so you know, one of the one of the innovations that, that the Windows organization did is is taking advantage of those TPM capabilities in order to store the credentials or store the hashes inside of there. There's a bunch of other things that they did as well. Mm. And one of the most interesting things that they did is what is this service that now Windows 10 is building out that's that's a remote um, device attestation service. Yeah. So we gotta describe a little bit about what that is because you know for for everyone who's not kind of deep in security they may not understand what it is. So what happens here is in this remote attestation service is, you know, when a device is, is, is basically, you know, essentially powered on for the first time, mm -hmm. we're able to basically uh, collect a bunch of data timing of how long the different components take to load, as an example. Yeah. And so, you know, what we're able to do here is, you know, on a clean, fresh device, we're able to basically take a snapshot of exactly how that device boots, the timing of each one of the segments, each one of the components, and then we're able to store that. We can store that locally on the device or we can store it remotely in this Windows service. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is every time the device comes up, it'll actually, you know, time all that again, look at each one of the individual components, not the aggregate, but each individual component to see if anything is out of the ordinary or has changed. And if it has, then it's able to basically say, hey, you know, we're, we're concerned this device is not healthy. Something has maybe injected itself into the loader and you should be concerned about it, okay? Mm -hmm. So now there's a way for the operating system to be able to describe out, if you will, that there could, could potentially be an issue even before the operating system has booted. Yeah. And if you think about what the malware individuals did is, you know, it moved from just trying to put malware in, you know, in, in the operating system mm -hmm. to actually try to insert themselves even before the anti-malware components had mm -hmm. loaded. And so with this remote, attest uh, remote attestation service, is always a mm -hmm. mouthful to say, we now have an ability to be able to verify even down to when the operating system booted that everything is clean and everything is fine. Well, then not what we've built with Intune and Config Manager is the ability to now put conditional access policies to corporate content, to corporate applications, to corporate email based upon the health of the attestation service and you know, what the device says if it's healthy or not. Mm -hmm. And so you could imagine a scenario now where the organizations will say, hey, we have this information that, that we want to enable our users to access 
but certain aspects that are incredibly confidential, we're going to require that a user works on a device that has been uh, healthily booted mm -hmm. and that the attestation service is, is in fact confirming that the device is healthy before we're going to allow that type of content to go down to that device. So it's all about security and having the system be able to make decisions based upon the device being able to, to really accurately say if it's healthy or if it's potentially been compromised. Yeah, it's kind of a, uh, an interesting way of thinking about it is to kind of think about what other operating systems do as well. And it's kind of an anti-routing technology. Yeah, good point. That actually prevents against anti-routing technologies. So it's uh, in a, a, a traditional anti-routing technology will actually say, this, the, we'll wait for the device to say, I have not been routed. Well, if you can route the device, technically you could you make it, it say, I've not been routed. That's right. And this gets us around that particular uh, yep. problem for Windows. Yep. So um, incredibly, incredibly strong piece yeah, of so technology. Yes, all this capability being built natively into Windows, you can now configure it through Config Manager, through Intune, through the hybrid scenario. Mm -hmm. An interesting data point on that hybrid scenario, I was looking again at the telemetry, you know, and, and, and what we're seeing right now is about 25% um, about of all the customers who are running Intune are running and doing all their administration through the Config Manager console, and about 75% are, are doing it purely from the cloud. Mm -hmm. It actually, um, for the most part, goes by company size. Ah. The larger the company size is, the more likely they're running in that hybrid mode where they're using the Config Manager console to do their administration, because they're already using the Config Manager you know, console to do all of their, their PC management as well. And then again with that 15.11 where we now have the architecture to be able to more rapidly update and keep that administrative console updated with what we're doing in, in, in Intune, you know, the, the, the parity of what's in the cloud and what can be configured through the Config Manager mm -hmm. console will be very, very close to each other from this point going forward. Yeah, they're going to get very, very tight. Um, also, we introduced some things that were available for, as you, as you, as you kind of mentioned, for Intune when yep. it's running with, uh, sorry, for ConfigMan when it's yep. running in hybrid and for Intune only. One of those that we know that lots of folks wanted was uh, IMEI-based enrollment. Yeah. Uh, this means that you can go through with a list of IMEI numbers for devices, pop them into Intune, and Intune will automatically know that they're corporate-owned devices, which is great because that may very well impact the way that you're managing them. It's actually a really common request that we hear from organizations where they say, we want to be able to put a different set of policies in place if it's a corporate device versus a personal device. And now with this new capability, you know, you can basically load all those numbers in and we know that it's a corporate device and then you can have different policies for a personal device versus a, a corporate device. Yeah, and uh, also ties very neatly into um, some of the work that we've done with iOS as well around improvements for, um, for DEP that we'll explain a little yep. bit later. Yep. Um, but one of the things that um, we wanted to talk about was uh, the capabilities for MAM only because last time we showed what this looked like for the end user's point of view. I kind of thought it would be good to show this from the admin's point of view. That's right. So, you know, last month's endpoint zone, actually, you know, there was a tremendous amount of feedback that came back to us about, you know, the man without device enrollment. Mm -hmm. And so now that we've had this in market for a couple of months, you know, the, the interest in it is just, just, just off the chart. Yeah, everybody wants to know about yeah. this technology. It's amazing. You know, and, and there are a couple of things driving it. You know, first and foremost, everybody wants to have the Office mobile apps at the core of their enterprise mm -hmm. mobility strategy. Yeah. And this gives organizations a way to do that with all the additional security and protection and guidance that's been built into it with EMS. And the great part about it is it's super easy to deploy, as we showed, you know, in the last okay. endpoint zone. And if you didn't get a chance to watch that last endpoint zone, go back and watch it so you can actually see what the end user experience is in basically how fast and easy it is for MAM to get set up on a user's mm -hmm. device without the user having to do anything. Yeah, okay? I, mean, I, I, I actually think that a lot of people won't realize that one of the biggest things about that 
is that that actually makes your office deployment a lot easier. A lot faster. Yeah. Yeah, we have organizations, we have one organization that's, you know, gone and enabled this for more than 80,000 users and they're just, you know, going gangbusters on their Office 365 deployment. Yeah. Now, what I wanted to show you here just real quickly is show you what the administrative console looks like to set that up and kind of give you some of the ideas, some of the policies. But I also, this also gives you a glimpse in where we're taking all of the administrative consoles for the Enterprise Mobility Suite components, you know, over this, uh, over this calendar year. Yeah. And so we were just showing you, you know, the, what was the Silverlight console. It's a console we've had for Intune for, for a number of years, and we've known for a number of years that we were going to replace that. We wanted to do it and go to the place that all of Microsoft is basically arriving to all of our cloud services, and that's the new Azure portal. Yeah. Okay, so I want to walk you through and give you some of the ideas of, of how the experience looks like to configure MAM without device enrollment, which is the first component we put into this new Azure uh, portal. But this is also going to be the place where all of EMS will be administered in the future. Mm -hmm. Okay, so first of all, I'm sitting here in, in the console, and I'm just going to go ahead and you know go ahead and configure some things. I'm going to put my glasses on because again, I'm, I'm beginning to get old. Now, there's the concept in the administrative console of blades, and so as I'm navigating through the administrative experience, these new blades appear. So I'm going to go and I'm going to create an app policy, and let's go and create a new one. So let's call this iOS mm -hmm. app policy for CXOs. Okay, so this is, this is what I'm going to deploy to all the CXOs in my organization and, and put the policies on them for them. So I can come in here and do things like, first of all, I'm going to go ahead and select which applications I want to have this policy applied to. I'm just going to go ahead and select those. Then I can actually go and start to configure the policies. And so these are things that, you know, if you've done some of the, uh, the MAM capabilities in Intune over the past, you know, year, you'll recognize a lot of these. But this is also gives you a view of the things that you can now configure without having to have the Intune MDM below it. Mm -hmm. So you can manage, you know, iTunes. You can manage things like, are you going to allow these apps to transfer data to other apps? You know, just to manage apps or to all apps? Do you want these apps to be able to receive data from other apps? Do you want to be able to prevent save as and where the user can save to? Do you want to be able to manage where the user can copy and paste information into? Mm -hmm. um, you know, things like, you know, when do you want the data to be encrypted? As the device starts, if the device is locked, there's all different kinds of options you can do here. And then there's a whole set of policies that really come down to putting gateways in front of accessing the, D to the, the, the data or the app, as well as conditional access. So do you want to pin? Mm -hmm. Do you want to less allow it require a fingerprint to be able to do it? You know, and then things like, you know, do you want to be able to block access to in these applications if the device has been jailbroken? And this takes into consideration all the conditional access capabilities that Enterprise Mobility Suite brings. And then things like you can also put a timeout here that says, listen, if the device has not kind of checked into the apps, have not checked in with this, or in this case a 90-day period, assume that, that those apps are no longer being used to access the company data, maybe the individual has left the company, and go ahead and remove the corporate apps and remove the corporate data. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's you know a rich set of policies that you can enforce here. So I'm going to come back here. Now the other thing I wanted to show here real quickly is one of the key values that this um, MAM without device enrollment brings, because it allows us to separate all the corporate data from the personal data on the device. We can also we can also remotely wipe corporate apps and corporate data without touching the user's personal apps and data. Mm -hmm. One of the core things every organization wants. And so I can come in here, I can put, a, I can put a, a wipe request in. So let's go ahead and start a new request. I can select the user in this case. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, let me come up for a second. 
Okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to go back on that one on, on the talk track. All right, so I'm going to go ahead here. I'm going to create a new wipe request. I'm going to select the user. I'll just go ahead and select myself. And then it actually will come up and show me the devices that I have that can be remotely wiped. I would highlight one of those, select it, and what would happen is the next time on that device I went to access any of those corporate applications, the applications get policy and they would automatically wipe the app and wipe the corporate data. That's awesome. <laughs> but it's important to point out, with the Office apps, because of our dual use capability, we also know that the user still uses these apps in their personal life. Mm -hmm. So we wouldn't remove Word and Excel and PowerPoint. We would remove the corporate data that's been created by those applications or saved by those applications. But we would leave those applications there for the user to be able to use in their personal life. And of course, we wouldn't touch anything in the, of their personal documents. Wow, that is fantastic. That's one of the things that makes this so appealing to the end users when they actually yeah. get to see this. As we were going through that, another thing appeared in there which I hadn't even realized that we'd shipped. And it's an amazing kind of end user feature. I was talking to a customer about this, and this was their holdout. This was the reason why, why they felt that they couldn't do something with us. And that was that they needed, to, on their iOS devices, to be able to use Touch ID mm -hmm. to be able to access them. Well, we actually just shipped that mm -hmm. as part, part, of the, part of the update. It's all about making it easy for the yeah. user. And what, what amazed me, if you have a look at the, um, at the Intune blog, you'll find a story from uh, one of Microsoft's amazing interns. Uh, and it was actually an intern that worked on that, that project. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, It's actually on the Intune blog we put up there like a couple of weeks ago. It was fun. Yeah, it was, uh, it was very cool. Yeah, so, so you know, we walked you through kind of what the MAM without device enrollment administrative experience looks like and you get to see all the things that you can do. But I want you to understand this is the new console that we're, for example, taking Intune and Azure Active Directory Premium and the EMS components too. It's a really great experience. And this concept of these blades, you know, it's funny, the first time that I ever went into this console and started experimenting with it, you know, I didn't have one of the program managers looking over my shoulder. I just literally got into it, and it just was that easy to be able to walk through. But this is where we're taking all of the different components of, of EMS2, and it'll be a much more integrated admin experience across everything. Yeah, it's going to be one of those skills that every IT guy or girl needs to understand is how to use the, the new portal. But it's easy. Don't mm -hmm. get uh, don't get too worried about it. Um, we also had a, a few other updates that landed for iOS as well um, that might be very very helpful. Integration with um, volume purchasing yep, VPP. for VPP inside of uh, the Apple App Store. Very very helpful. Tons and tons of people um, have been wanting uh, that. I've received a couple of emails asking me personally to build that, which is kind of fun. Um, and also um, we've added better support for DEP. We've improved the way that device enrollment uh, protocol works with. Uh, sorry device enrollment program mm -hmm. works with Apple, so you can now, um, you already could, you could go and buy some devices from Apple, but you'll get richer information coming back into your Intune environment uh, from those kind of purchases. Um, I think there's another kind of announcement uh, that we want yeah. to drop in at the end of yeah. this, which is, um, well, I'll leave that one to you. Ignite 2016, yeah. we just literally opened up registration today on it. Yeah. Uh, Atlanta, you know, end of September, um, man, we're in full planning already for it. Uh, it's going to be exciting. You know, last year's Ignite was the first time we had pulled all of Microsoft together. One event, you know, um, Satya was present. I thought we just had a fantastic event. And the feedback that I got from everybody there was, it was so nice to see how all the components of Microsoft come together. Mm -hmm. And organizations and, and individual after individual would say, man, I understand how all of Microsoft's investments now are aligning and what your ambitions are and how you're making personal computing more personal. You're reinventing business productivity and how you're building the intelligent cloud. You know, look for all of those things to get that next level of detail and all the innovations that we're doing 
at Ignite 2016. So let's uh, let's let's, let's get let's get enrolled, get signed up. Yep, tired to buy tickets. If it's anything like Build, well, I did an announcement for Build on a show a couple of weeks ago. Um, unfortunately, it took us about three hours to publish that show. And we'd already sold out by that time. So uh, hopefully we have slightly more tickets. Yeah, a little more space Ignite. in this one. Yeah, it should be a little bigger. So um, make sure you uh, you go and get yourself a ticket for Ignite. I'm sure there'll be tons of information if you need some help to convince your boss to send you along to Ignite. It is going to be amazing. Um, brings us to the end of this episode of The Endpoint Zone, episode 12. Brad, thank you very much for coming thank along you, again to the, uh, to the Channel 9 studio. Don't forget, you can uh, get hold of the podcast, uh, the uh, Endpoint Zone in a number of ways on Channel 9, and you can find us inside of the iTunes store as well. So you can subscribe to us on your um, iPhone, on your um, iPad, and uh, let us have some feedback. Let us know what you think of the show, what you'd like us to cover, um, who you're sharing the show with, and uh, we will see you next time.